Welcome to So You're Kinda a Big Deal, a weekly podcast deep diving into the lives of emerging and established tattoo artists. Listen in as we dig into origin stories, industry hot topics, and what it takes to survive in the world of tattooing. This is Tattoo Shop Talk. Join your hosts, Sean Headley and Dave Allen, every week as we host a new guest. It's no secret Dave and I have a good guy connection, but we have a great relationship with many respected suppliers. Working with Lucas Ford at Classic Tattoo, I saw firsthand the blood, sweat, and stress he went through building Good Guy. Creating products for your peers is no easy task. With many to critique any small missteps, including myself, tattooer owned and family operated since day one. With Lucas, Rob, and Natalie at the helm, you know exactly what you are getting. High quality products, fair prices, and excellent customer service. Shop, support, good guy. I just go blank now sometimes. Yeah. I'm talking, I'll be like, what the fuck was I eating? That happens to me, but I figure it's old age. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 What's your name again? Yeah. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask how old are you, Trent? 63. Okay, so yeah, you got 12 years on 11 years on me. And I look younger. Yeah. You look <laughs> The Australians got jokes. I'll make sure that the subtitles get that good. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sixty-three. And you've been tattooing now. How many? Are years? We, we recording? Yeah. Oh, we are. <laughs> I didn't get that. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so how many? Do you want so many years? Of um. Well, I was trying to think about it last night. About 42. Okay. About 42 years. Yeah, 42 years. Yeah, it was around 80, 80, yeah, 81, 82. Okay. I started. And you yeah. got started in Melbourne? In, in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, well, actually in the country, not like in the, out in the countryside. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was uh, quite the journey back then to get tattooing equipment because nobody would talk to you about it. Yeah. And I think in Melbourne back then there was, or in Victoria, the state would have been oh, maybe five or six shops. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you weren't, you know, there was yeah. even signs in the shop, don't ask about how to get into tattooing or you know, tattooing equipment. Like, and yeah, it was pretty serious. Yeah. yeah. That was all a pretty serious thing from not very long ago. Yeah. Right? Well, there was always mis- mystery about like who was in the back room or, you know, like who are these guys dealing with? You know, yeah. So. Yeah, so yeah, about 80, 81, 82. So how did you get your start? Oh, boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> You've never well, told this story before, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen. Um, no, like back then, right, there was the Easy Rider magazine. I always wanted to be a tattoo, but I actually i am an electrician by trade. Okay. So I uh, got my first couple of pay packets, went down to Melbourne, which was a two-hour train trip to get tattooed. Right, and then you, you're looking at the equipment, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> had no idea what I was doing." Had been looking at, and got the Easy Rider magazine and saw the little ad in the back that you could send off to Sporting and Rogers. So, wrote a letter to Sporting and Rogers. Can I get a catalog? Right, they send a they send a form back saying, "Yeah, yeah, five dollars or whatever for the catalog." Oh, okay. 
write the letter back with a bank check or whatever it was back then. So, and all of this takes like months or months to finally get a catalog. And then you've got this Sporting and Rogers catalog and you're looking at it going, what do I buy? <laughs> like, starter kits and things like that. So I ended up getting a couple of machines and forgot to order a power supply. <laughs> yeah, like, like very intelligent. Yeah. Um, so got a couple of colors, power, uh, two machines, and the machines come already set up. And they had like Vaseline in the, on the needles and a little plastic or rubber. Oh, the little oh, orange rubber thing. Yeah, on the thing, right? So I was like looking at it and I'm thinking, I think I went and got tattooed. And I asked the, the tattooer, I said, well, like, how do, you, how do you run that machine? And he goes, I'm not telling you nothing unless you get tattooed. So I bought a got a $15 tattoo. And it was this little bird right here. Held up well. That looks like a bird. And then he answered a couple of questions and then that was it. So I went home and I had a, a I got a, a train set, a transformer, because I was an electrician and I set that up. So I, I had it sort of figured out. That was my first setup. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Plug right into the wall and yep. just fucking. <laughs> so. And so that's how I pretty much started. And it was, yeah, it was a nightmare, you know, like, yeah. I, I remember that there was my girlfriend at the time, her friend, her, her friend, he wanted to get tattooed and I was just drawing little flowers and he goes, I want to get a big one from here to here. And I was like, I can't even draw a flower. I said, no, 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 no. Did a little flower on him and uh, uh, it was a mess. I, I, and I got the purple from Sporting Rogers and it wouldn't go in. I couldn't think of that. And I think I even forgot. Hey, I forgot to take the Vaseline off the needle. Vaseline was going in. Oh, you know. So, yeah, like, yeah, for all those kids that started as backyarders, I was actually one of them. So, yeah, lots of people. Most of us were. Yeah. Most of the people we've interviewed have, that's been their path, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then from there, it just sort of progressed a little bit more and, you know, learned a little bit as I went along and kept getting tattooed and I was got friendly with a couple of tattooers from Melbourne and one in particular was Cindy Ray who was, oh, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. was actually Bev, Bev Robinson at the time um, and she was really good she helped me quite a bit and I saw a a, a national tattoo magazine that she showed me and there was an article on Ed Hardy in it. And I was like, I just could not believe that somebody could tattoo like that back then. It was, it was pretty insane. What was the scene like in Australia? Then? It was, um, well, there was a couple of really good tattooers, uh, but it was very much pretty quiet. You know, there was, like I said, six, six shops in Melbourne. Around Australia, there was, there was one in Melbourne, a guy called Danny Robinson that was extraordinarily good. He was so good. He's, you know, he was just a, a naturally gifted artist. But, you know, alcohol and everything else, you know. Was it mostly flash at the time? All flash. Yeah. All flash, yeah. There was no sleeves or anything like that. Um, uh, there was another guy in Sydney called Tony Cohen. That He was probably the most famous guy because he did a little bit of traveling. And, of course, Bev Robinson, Cindy Ray, she was, you know, the, the showgirl become tattooer yeah, yeah. married married her tattooer um so yeah it was but very much 
Australian style, you know, like flash. Uh, it was yeah, very simple. Yeah. So, and yeah, but it was it, it was good, you know. That you, you you didn't know any different. Yeah, yeah. So how'd you end up in a shop? So I ended up going, um, doing a few tattoos, and one of my customers went down and got tattooed off Danny Robinson, and uh, he mistakenly pointed to a tattoo I'd done that some that another shop had done, and he said, "Well, tell that guy to come down." So. <laughs> And I went down there and I ended up stumbling into this shop and uh, got to work on the weekends. So I was actually driving 100 miles <laughs> on a Friday night to work on a Saturday and yeah, try to get a little bit of experience, you know. So... Uh, Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I was... I wanted to be a tattooer. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to do it. and But you had to do that to learn. There was no internet. Um, there was, you know, no magazines. I was going to say, were you even getting like the quarterly magazines? That were nothing. Like no, there was nothing. I mean, it wasn't until a couple of years later that you know, you had to get uh, somebody to to sign you up to national, you know, like to sponsor you okay. to get to become a member of national, and then you'd get the magazine. So, yeah, it was it was it was tough. Yeah, because you know? I guess this would have been even pre-tattoo review. Yeah, yeah. And, well, that, that was, yeah, no, yeah, that was, that was, no, no. Yeah. There was think... National Tattoo Magazine, which was exclusively for tattooers. Yeah. And then there was Easy Rider Magazine that would show tattoos every now and again. Yeah. So for the most part, all the tattoos you're seeing are what you're seeing in person. So you're yeah, seeing yeah, Australian yeah, like, tattoos. Yeah. You're not, not you're exposed not, yeah, to the international. Exactly. You know, you, you, you'd hear somebody getting a tattoo and you'd be like, can I have a look at it? You know, and it was it was from the same two or three tattooers back then. Yeah. So it was uh, very limited, but I was lucky. I got exposed to good tattoos. You know, like Danny Robinson, like I said, and his son Danny Junior. They were excellent tattooers. You know, they really were world class. Um, but you know, lifestyle sort of didn't help. Got in the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, and. Bev had actually showed me some tattoos that uh, she'd got from Ed Hardy and Cliff Raven. Oh, so cool. she'd actually been lucky enough to get tattooed off both of those guys. And uh, so that sort of opens you up to, to think, wow, you know, like there's some really interesting tattooers and, and interesting work that can be done. It's not just you're seeing the old school stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it sort of progressed a little bit more. And then 82, that, that was that sort of all happened within that one year. And I was working part-time at a couple of shops every weekend. And I saw this guy called Bob Roberts' stuff in, in a magazine, again, in the national magazine. Yeah, yeah. So I decided 1982, I was going to go to this, the National Tattoo Convention. And it was in Virginia. And... I wanted to get tattooed off Ed Hardy. So I, you know, how, how do you get in touch with somebody on the other side of the world back then? I, it was the old dial up phone, right? You know, <laughs> had to ring the international operator and say, how, what time is it in San Francisco to, to ring this yeah. number? And um, after, you know, like working it all out, which took a little bit of time, I rang Ed Hardy and he, I said, oh, I'm coming to the National Tattoo Convention. 
and he, he actually put a time aside for me. And um, I was coming from Australia, I guess that was a pretty big deal. I was just a, a green kid, had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I also got in touch with Bob Roberts, and I can't remember if I rang him or Ed Hardy had given me his number. I can't remember how, but Ed, um, Ed was in San Francisco in the private studio, and Bob Roberts was in New York on the Lower East Side. So um, I did the trip with a friend of mine, a good buddy. We landed in Los Angeles, had no idea where we were or what we were getting into. Uh, it was nice and sunny in Los Angeles. We stayed a night there, then got on a plane the next day, and we flew to New York. Got off the plane, I'm wearing a T-shirt and jeans, and it's snow, <laughs> freezing cold, and everybody's looking at you like, "Oh, it's <laughs> um, And then was we we were there for a couple of days. Had no idea where we were in New York. It was just this big city. We were a couple of country kids, and finally found out where the Lower East Side was, and we made it made our way down to Bob's studio, and he's like. How did you get here? And we said, oh, we walked. And he's like, you walked through what he goes, what you mean? I was going to say, the lower east side. And we had no idea. We were just walking through then. You could see people looking at you and that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So much enough to belong. That's silly. And so we, we got to Bob's and, and went upstairs. We had a... Bob was really good. He was so good. He, he we had a bit of a chat and he, we talked a, a little bit about tattooing. And he just done that the dragon back piece on that the, on the woman. Um, I can't think of her name, but it, it was it was in a few mag, a couple of magazines, especially in national magazine, that had popped its head up, and it was it was insane. I mean, you know, looking at it, and he had the coloured drawing on the wall, and he'd done that uh, the portrait of the. The old, I think he was an old poet or something. On, okay. Yeah, so it was stuff that was just unbelievable. You yeah. never seen anything like that. Yeah. And uh, we, he showed me a, a, an, an eleven mag, and I was like, "What's that?" Because <laughs> we were only using seven rounds, like uh, a five liner and a seven round. Jesus. Yeah. And so and he's so he was good enough, and he gave me a few mags to take home with me, right? I didn't have any tunes. So yeah, I got a tiger off the back of, on the back of my leg from um, Bob, uh, which was like at the time was just incredible. You know, to get tattooed off him. And my buddy got a a, a little Mexican, you know, gangster guy on his oh, arm, oh. You know, black and grey. Yeah. You know, it was so cool. Um and then we flew to uh, via Las Vegas <laughs> to Virginia <laughs> to San Francisco. Oh, we, went to, well, we went to the national convention. That's right. The Whole Fast Social Club keeps expanding and adding features to make the life of tattooers easier. We just launched a classified section for pros only. Sell your tattoo gear, prints, whatever in one spot. This is on top of a platform with peer-to-peer -peer vouching, direct connect, a wait list, and geo-searching. Now you can find guest spots or forever homes at studios everywhere. 
No guessing, no awkward conversations. See what shops or artists have to offer. Mark them as favorites or add yourself to their wait list to let them know you are interested. Old Fast Social Club keeps adding features to make connecting easy. Pros only, a place where the best of us can elevate each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to meet, uh, that was like when Shotzi Gorman was first. Oh, first oh yeah. yeah. Greg Irons. Um, uh, Ed Hardy was there. There was all these, uh, Suzanne Fowler. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. 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 There was, um, yeah, there was all these tattoos. Who was the guy with the tigers? Was he in Detroit or in Chicago? Oh, that guy's in Chicago, in Illinois. Oh, really? Really? Tattoos were characters back then. Oh, yeah. Boy, he had that stencil of the dot and the star, and if he lost those, he was stuffed. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Daddy, he he probably wasn't was at the national convention. Oh, yeah, I don't know if he was back then. Yeah. No. But yeah. Yeah, there were some characters there. Was, um, but yeah, like Greg Irons was there. Uh, Shotzi Gorman, like he was, yeah, I got to meet him and he was doing some different work, incredible work back then. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun, yeah. And then we, we went from there via Las Vegas to San Francisco and got to meet Ed Hardy, you know. And I remember sitting in his waiting room and he had the photo albums there and I was looking and, and like, you were just like, I can't believe somebody could actually tattoo like that. Yeah. I'd never seen anything. I mean, the realistic, the, the, there was, I always remember um, a, a picture of a macaw on this guy's chest and it was like unbelievable. It was, like, the colors and, and I was like, man, that, how can somebody tattoo that? And Ed come out and he, he took us in and we had a bit of a chat about what I said, look, I just want to drag him. And he goes, oh, okay, you jump up on the table. He started drawing on me and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> He's like, I'll be fine, you know, and he, he drew this drag and he goes, have a look at it. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess, you know, <laughs> I don't know, it looks good. I was, like, I was absolutely shitting myself. I was like terrified. And uh, he tattooed it and he was, he was good. He, yeah, he had a bit of a chat. Wasn't interested in talking about any other tattooers or their styles or anything. Just talk about Ed, you know, and his yeah. stuff. And uh, Chuck Eldridge was there. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, he was, he was actually there. Uh, so we got to meet Chuck and we ended up going over to his studio, which was on the, over by Oakland. Um, okay. Somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but yeah. And then back home. And I remember going back home to Australia and like everybody was like, well, why do you want to go over to get tattooed off the Yanks, you know? And they were like, oh, because well, it's good. It. Look at <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was, that was the first, and that was like within the first year that I, I started tattooing. I think we got tattooed. But I was that determined. Yeah. I wanted to, get, I wanted to go to the best yeah, yeah. back then. So was it hard to come back home and tattoo Flash off the wall after seeing? It was hard to tattoo, yeah, because <laughs> you, like I didn't have the skills to do any of the stuff that you learn along the way, and and all you were doing was taking photos, and you kept looking at these photos, and and, and thinking, how can I draw that? How can I do that? Because it was, I didn't have those skills, yeah. You know, it was I was determined, but you had nobody to help you. Yeah, put you it didn't know how to reverse engineer yeah. it by just looking at it. Yeah, so it was. It was a bit of a struggle for a long time, you know, because I was working in flash shops and still working as a day job as an electrician. 
working, you know, working on the weekends as a tattooer. So, you know, like you, you were dividing your time yeah. and that. And there was none of yeah, like you, you weren't thinking about homework, you know, like doing drawings and that. You just because everything was on the walls at the shops you were at. So, you, and it was all acetate stencils back then too. So you had to learn to to be adaptive and you couldn't muck up. Your machines had to be running smooth. So yeah, there was all these things that were in your head. Yeah. Like if your machine was spitting and you had to wipe all the Vaseline off, you'd lose your stencil, you know? So, yeah. 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 I did a fucking acetate stencil tattoo maybe 10 years ago. Kid that works for me now, he bought one. Uh, I can't remember who was selling some of the Sailor Jerry stuff. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The woman, I forget her name right now. Kate. Oh, Kate. yes, Kate. Yeah. Uh, so Greg got worse for me. He bought some stuff. He was like, will you tattoo this on me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's like, with the acetate? And I'm like... Did you even know how to put it on? I did. My <laughs> sleeves were originally done in acetates, actually. And then, so I, but I messaged Dax and was like, I need like powder. What should I use? And he was like, I just scratched a pencil. <laughs> so I did. I just fucking shaved a fucking pencil lead and put it on. And yeah, and Greg got pictures of all the stages of it. But fucking nightmare, though. Like, just nightmare. Like for one, and you're doing them all day for years. Yeah, but like even that, even that, you know, like you, you were like, "Oh, where do you get the graphite from?" Yeah, send a sporting <laughs> around. Couldn't figure it out. You could probably get it somewhere. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, so yeah. that's the other two months waiting for the the, yeah, the graphite <laughs> chip to come in. You do the you you do the order. And then you'd send it off, and then they'd send you back the pro forma invoice, you know, yeah. with, the, with the how much it's going to cost and the shipping. I know, I, then you have to go to the bank and you explain to the bank, uh, I need a draft for the, oh, well, okay, yeah, US, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. And back then, the Australian dollar was stronger than the US oh, dollar. Yeah. yeah. So, and you're thinking, this is pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> how are we doing all this? Yeah. So, yeah, it was yeah. Fun. Damn, I can't complain about that because I never even thought of that, right? Like all your shit's coming over on a ship, taking forever. My oh man, yeah, it, it took forever, and, yeah. and and you were so excited about it, but you still didn't know what you were doing with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, there was and back then there was just a little bottle, and then I the the shop I was working in, they showed me how to mix the powder. Okay, so then that become you know, the next step yeah. was learning to mix powder and, 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 and solder needles because I'm still using those bloody <laughs> 14 round or seven round, you know. Oh, it's fun days, you know. So, so yeah. what was the, what brought you over to North America, basically? Because to me, that was like a, from what I know of your history, that was a really important. Well, yeah, I, I, did, I did the whole, uh, the first, the first trip, to see Ed and Bob. And then I progressed my tattooing a bit. I ended up opening a shop with another guy. And I still had this drive that, you know, like I wanted to go and, and meet people at the conventions and take photos and see what was going on. Because Australia was very much, very much a closed tattoo shop. You know, nobody really talked to you that, that much. And I thought that there's got to be more out there. Um, and I did a couple of, I went to the, I think it was the 85 Phoenix convention. And I was, I'd seen some work by a, a tattooer called Peter Poulos, uh, Peter Tattoo. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, I was really like taken with his work. And I got to meet him and you know, he, I was lucky enough to get tattooed off him. And 
I didn't know anything about Peter, and I don't know what you guys know about. I don't know much about him. Yet. Okay, well, he was, he was a colourful character, you know. He was one of those guys, but, like, nobody spoke about his background. And I guess he, you know, he was a, a bit of a gangster. <laughs> and um, all I wanted to do was get tattooed off him. And he was, he, he tattooed me at the shop. At, at one of his shops so he picked me up in the car with a bunch of his guys so i'm sitting in the back seat in the middle <laughs> and they're talking about kidnapping me and taking me to new york and showing me around new york and i'm, I'm like oh, this guys are they serious because they were serious looking guys <laughs> and he took me to one of his shops and, and for those that don't know much about peter he he, he had a a bunch of shops in around colorado and Phoenix, Arizona, and he, everybody that worked for him, like worked for him, you weren't to leave and you weren't, but I didn't know any of this stuff, you know, and uh, so he took me to one of his shops and he tattooed me there and it was, it was a great experience. He was, he was so good. Uh, and then he, I got tattooed off him again on the Sunday at the convention. I had my chest and my leg done from him. And the chest won best tattoo of the day, and it was his skull. You know, he was known for doing skulls. Gangster. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But he, he was such, to me, he was a really nice guy. And I got a lot, you know, like he, he treated me real nice. But I was just this green kid, you know. So, um, so I did that convention and pretty much went back to Australia and then tried emulating his style, which was single needle. And I got to see uh, Jack Rudy stuff at the time that was just starting to make it, you know, at the convention. Yeah. So the next year I went back and I got, I went through Hawaii and I got tattooed off Candy Everett and Candy showed me some pictures of uh, some tattoos. And she goes, you'd probably be interested in these guys. And it was the Dutchman and Paul Jeffries. And she, she had some actual photos of their work. And I was like, oh, my God. This was, it was like next level for me. When I was looked at it, it was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. And I got to meet Mike Malone. Um, he was an interesting character. That, you know, if you want to be a tattooer, sit in the corner and look at these photo albums. And he just threw these <laughs> photo albums at me, you know, some Sailor Jerry stuff. So... Then I you know, did the, the whole you know, couple, of, couple of shops and I ended up in um, Anaheim at um, Jack Rudy's studio and Jack tattooed my foot and you know, you know what Jack's like, like you, you make an appointment, you better, I didn't know, you know, you're, you better wait. For that. Like he, <laughs> the appointment was like at seven o'clock, he turned up at 11. I was like, man, this guy's unbelievable, but it was worth the wait. We had it, you know, so. So I got tattooed off Jack. I'd been tattooed off Bob Roberts, Ed Hardy, Candy Everett. Um, so I was, I was starting to see some incredible work. And then I went back to Australia, kept tattooing, and I wrote to Paul Jeffries. And Paul, I got some flash off him. And Paul was kind enough, he sent me the flash. And then he also, with the flash, he'd always send photographs. So he sent me a bunch of his work. and I. Oh, this is the guy I want to do my back. So I kept tattooing for a couple of years, 
did another trip to the United States, got some more work from Jack Rudy, had both my ribs done, uh, got tattooed off Ed Hardy again, a couple of, had my, had my, both my thighs done and my chest done from Ed. So I was starting to progress, yeah, with my own work, still nothing, you know, it was still pretty, pretty ordinary, but, um, learning a little bit more along the way. And then in, in 89, I decided to quit my job as an electrician. I had a, and I was with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And we decided to do a tour of America. We were going to come to America. And while I was here, I was going to come to Canada and get tattooed off Paul Jeffries. I wanted to get my back done. So I landed in again at the national convention in Texas and Paul was there and I ran into Paul, introduced myself and like I said, you know, I want to come to Canada and, and get tattooed off you. I want you to do my back. And we had a couple of drinks and like, I was just in awe of him, you know, like he, he was, he was a larger than life character. Still is. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, he sort of, I think at the time he's just sort of sussing you out. He's just feeling what sort of person you are. Right. And then his wife came up to my girlfriend and she goes, oh, I guess you guys are coming to Canada. And she goes, Paul said, you know, we'll probably put you to work. He hadn't seen my work or anything like that. He's just like, yeah, you're, you know, and I was like, wow, this, this could really happen. I was like, no, not really. So we sort of parted at the convention, went our separate ways, and he'd given me the shop number. And my, my girlfriend and I, we we toured around America, made our way into Canada, and uh, we're in Winnipeg visiting with some a couple of guys that we'd met in Hawaii on our way over. And I rang the shop. I'd been, we'd been there about a week. And I rang the Smiling Buddha and I said, oh, you know, I'm going to come over. Can I, can I make an appointment to get my back done? And Wink, Paul's wife, said to me, well, if you, you should come now. We need you now if you want to work. So I was like, this, this really <laughs> So I, we jumped in the car and we drove all night to from Winnipeg to uh, Calgary. And we got there on, I think it was like, a Wednesday, like 1100 kilometers or something. Is, like that, that? is that right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we, we drove. I think maybe we, I don't think we stopped, but you know, like for an overnight. And we got there and because um, they were like, they were desperately, they said they needed somebody. And I remember we got in, we got into Paul's house. Uh, Wink was there to meet us. And for those, Wink was, you know, Paul's wife. And she'd come home early from the shop. Paul was still at the shop. She was, and she said, you may as well stay here for a couple of nights till you get yourself sorted. And then Paul come home yeah. and it was straight down to the bar. And like, you start, you know, let's drink, you know, so we're drinking. And I guess he's still doing that feeling out, you know, and seeing what sort of person. So we're not, I'm trying not to get drunk. And he's preparing beers. Because he always, I found out later, he always said, you know, you get somebody drunk and you find out what sort of person they are. So, um, yeah. And then the next morning I went to the shop and uh, he put me straight to work. You know, the shop opened at 12. He set me up. And it was just all small stuff with Paul, you know, like, like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't even know him. 
And he was, it was in a small, the small walk-in shop where there was two, there was Kenny Cameron was there. I met Kenny the night before and there was Kenny, myself. And then there was a wall with a, with a cutout in it. And Paul was on the other side of the wall, you know, and I had my machines from Australia and they were loud. <laughs> Paul's like, put a muffler on those things. <laughs> like, so I had no idea, like he looked at my machines and he, we, straight away we ordered a couple of machines from um, Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Todd, Colonel Todd. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, three piece. Yeah, the old three piece machines, yeah. right, yeah. So yeah, I ended up staying there and you know, I ended up being there for two years with Paul. Wow. You know, it was quite, so I, you know, we did the transition from that shop into the, into the big shop yeah, yeah. when you bought the building. So I was there for all of that. We we got an apartment when we were there. We lived upstairs, right upstairs from the old shop. Okay. Um, yeah, his friends all helped us out with furniture. And so was that so, basically your first full time? Full time. Full time. That was my first year. Full time. I was actually working as a full time tattoo. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In a foreign country. In a yeah. foreign country <laughs> with a god of tattooing. Yeah. You know, like this larger than life character. Yeah. So. So yeah, we we started. And it, it, it just become a, a this whole new lifestyle because with Paul it was like you work hard during the day and then you go and drink and, and have a, have you know meals and so he introduced me to this whole different lifestyle me and my girlfriend uh, and on the weekends it was like first come first serve like I think James was saying and yeah it was it was an interesting time you know, it was terrifying you know for a young you know like back then. I can imagine. And it would have been rough too, because that Calgary back then was, there's a lot of biker wars going on. And Ooh, I didn't know any of that. Was that before your time? Might've been before. I think there was the, the I, I remember that in Australia, we were, you know, you'd do a lot of grim reapers. And you, when you, when you got to the shop in Calgary, you're like no grim reapers. And I was like, why, why you don't have any grim reapers? Why don't you do them? And it was the local bike club. Yeah, uh, outlaw club was there, the Reapers. So you weren't allowed to do Grim Reapers. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> interesting. You know? I'd never been exposed to any of yeah. that. You know? So you'd, you'd heard, like, I was from the country in in Australia, like where there was no bike clubs back then. You yeah, know? they were in the Hell's Angels were in Melbourne, but they were like mystique. You know, you didn't. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So when you left Paul's and went home, is that when you opened mm -hmm. Dynamic? Yeah. So I, like when I was with Paul, the one thing I, with Paul, he, he, he not only taught you to tattoo, but he taught you business sense, right? And he helped you with, your, you know, like the tattoo, what his way, it was, it was like a business. Yeah. Way That's one thing that Brett Schwinn always said to me too. Yeah. Paul taught him a lot. Just, uh, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, he, you know, like the morals, the tattoo morals, you know, like he wouldn't tattoo hands or necks and things like that. Um, Why not? What's wrong with that? <laughs> you look like idiots. <laughs> it was just Paul's way, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and you just had this respect, you know. But while I was at Paul's too, I was also further exposed to John out in Vancouver. So, you know, I remember he, we, he, a couple of his customers had come through the shop. Uh, there was a guy, Terry, he was a kickboxer. He had the, um, the, the tiger on his chest, oh, the, full, the full yeah. tiger. Yeah. yeah and I, I got to meet him and he had a full back from John. That was the, the, the warrior on the, the horse. Oh, Jesus. That tattoo was mm. insane. 
yeah and like you're just like in awe you're like man this just keeps getting better here i am working with paul and seeing what he's doing and how he's doing it but now i'm getting exposed to john's work and there was a time when i went out to vancouver and got to hang out with john and it, it, that opened doors you know because with paul that opened the door to john's studio and it, like it, you started to realize that by working with people like a Paul stature that you were more accepted when you went to visit people yeah absolutely. so like um at the time we were working for paul in the winter the start of the winter my girlfriend and i decided to go to europe so we went to Europe, and as soon as you mentioned that you were working with Paul Jeffries, it was incredible that you know that, that these doors opened up and people yeah. wanted to talk to you. Um, and we went to we did a tour of Europe, and we ended up at the Amsterdam, the first Amsterdam convention. Yeah. And that was that was a really interesting thing because there was this kid that um, this kid I think his name was Philip Lou. Yeah. You guys heard of him? <laughs> Right. But there's this whole backstory that we didn't know about, about Philip and John. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> like, so I wanted to go and like see this guy, Philip Lou, and, and look at his work and, and all these European artists. And you were told, like, no, you, you're with us on the on the American, the North American side, you know, because there was this thing with Hardy and John and, and Philip. But no, you, you don't go, you know, don't associate with them. You know, you're on this side. So it was kind of weird, yeah. you know, like they don't want to get into the backstory. No, yeah. no, it's, no. It's, it's, but it was, it's like high school cafeteria, man. All the groups like, breaking off. Yeah, there was all these clicks and things like that, yeah. you know. So, um, but yeah, so we, we did the first that convention and it, it was incredible to see like Philip working. Because you know, I would I just say, well, I'll, you know, I'm going to go over there and see him work. Yeah. Um, was Dave Short there? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Was he sharing a booth with Paul or was it with John or? I think, no, I think he was with Hanky Panky. Or... Okay. He was living in Amsterdam. Oh, that, yeah. That would have been the first yeah. one that yeah. he yeah. would have been yeah. living over there. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Dave Shaw. And it, it was kind of awkward. It was just very awkward. But it was good exposure. Yeah. 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 It was fun. Yeah, we had a fun time. And what um, was going on in Europe was totally different than what was going on in yes. North America. For yeah. The most part. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. guys like Bernie Luther and... Uh, well, I was actually, I was lucky enough to see Bernie Luther at the 89 convention and see his stuff, you know, like he was just drawing. It was an incredible, you know, this kid from Europe just looked like he hadn't had a bath for a, a couple of months. <laughs> but he was doing these tattoos and you it, like, it was incredible. Just drawing them on, you know, like no preparation. Who does that? Yeah. yeah, like the only other person I'd seen do that was Ed Hardy. So uh, yeah, that, that's when the Europeans started coming in to to North America, the, you know, the conventions and yeah, yeah. making a big mark, so to speak. Yeah, so so yeah, going back to you know back to Paul's working another summer, and in that time got to go to John's, and I was lucky enough to uh, stay with John at his house and spend just a weekend with him and he was incredible you know like he he wrote notes down and we talked about tattoos he critiqued the work that we were doing i was doing and you know i was still the small stuff and i think i was telling you guys before and i was talking to james about it like you, when you started with paul it was like the small stuff so you started with the, the maple leaves the small roses the butterflies 
And as you got a bit better, you graduated to the Eagles. And, and when you were allowed to do a Tiger, you knew you'd made it. You know? <laughs> but I remember the first time I was allowed to do a Tiger. I remember Paul's wife coming in with a big smile on her face and putting this Tiger down saying, Paul said you could do a Tiger now. You know? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out for fucking steak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I bought him the steak. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I bought him a lot of meals and never got much in return. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was yeah, that was yeah, pretty much the journey. And then I remember having a conversation with Paul, and I don't know how serious he was, but he said to me, uh, to me and my girlfriend, "What about if I opened up a shop in Edmonton? Would you be interested in running it?" And I was like, "Wow, that's a you know, I don't know about that." Yeah, we were sort of getting a little bit homesick. And I, you know, I said, look, I don't think so. I don't think that'd work. I think we're thinking about going back to Australia. And uh, he said to me then, he goes, well, look, if you're going to go back to Australia, and he, we sat down and we had a chat about it, and he said, you can't tattoo in a country town. You've got to move to the city and make a name for yourself. So that sort of always resonated with me. Uh, how we, you know, he, he took the time to do that, and, he, and we went through a few steps of what what I should do and how I should set up the shop and. It was interesting. So. That's amazing because a lot of people wouldn't take the time to help you set up the next shop because usually no. you'd be moving across. But, but I was, yeah, but I was no threat to exactly. him. I wasn't opening up in a shop, you know, yeah. a shop in his town or anywhere near him. So, um, so then we, we we come back to Australia. That was ninety end of ninety one, and my girlfriend and I we got married. No, the end of ninety. I apologize. The end of ninety, and. We got married at the start of 91 and we opened up a, a dynamic tattoo. We'd moved from the country down to Melbourne and I opened up a little shop, pretty much like Paul's first shop. Uh, it was two stations, a waiting room. The toilet was outside. It was behind a barber shop, a hairdresser's, you know, and uh, had no idea what we were, how this was going to go because, it, again, there was probably six shops in Melbourne, six or seven shops. And I was this new guy coming in and no advertising or anything like that, but it didn't take long for word to get around. And I sort of set the standard straight away, like no drinking in the shop, no, you know, no alcohol or, uh, and, and setting hours working between now and, you know, like say 11 and six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cuts down a lot of problems right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like we hadn't been open long and, and people were turning up with, you know, like, 24 pack of beer under their arm. <laughs> what are you doing? You can't drink here. Why not? I can drink at the shop up the road. You know? No, not here. So I, I tried to keep it very professional, like Paul, right from the word go, you know, what Paul had instilled in me. So, uh, and then, you know, dynamic tattoo kicked off in 91. So, yeah, that's incredible. So it's been, what is that? What, how many years? 30. 30, yeah, yeah, 30, 30, 33, 33, um, 32, 33, yeah. yeah. So had, had several guys work with me at that, at the first few years of dynamic tattoo. And the, the thing that I, I wanted to do was have good people work with me, no apprentices, just people that had been tattooing for a while and bring them in and help them. So I had a, I had a young guy that had approached me, Mick Hayes. And he approached me and, and wanted to come from another shop and work with me. So, you know, spent some time with him, went through the drill because, you know, you, they weren't used to that sort of regimented style of tattoo. Yeah. 
helped him out with his tattoo and not that I was, I was still learning, you know, and, and bringing him in, it allowed, freed me up to go back to Canada and, and come here. I was doing um, like um, uh, the, when the um, stampede was on. So I'd come back and work with Paul for four weeks or whatever and help him out because it was the busiest time. Yeah. So again, and then you would get your, your style refined and, yeah, and yeah, things like that. So bringing people in, it was good. I could help them and they could help me at the same time. So um, had did that for a few years, backwards and forwards with Paul. And then, you know, I was doing a few conventions along the way, um, again, in North America, and then started doing, I, I, I got, I met this kid, this young guy called, uh, what's his name? Henning, Henning someone, <laughs> Henning Jorgensen. Jorgensen or something? Yeah. <laughs> So I met this, I met Henning and Henning, had, I think Henning had written me a letter and he was like, oh, you, you, you know, you're working with Paul Jeffries. He goes, what's that like? You know? And so we, I met Henning in, um, at one of the conventions and straight away, I could tell that Henning, there was this rivalry. He was a bit jealous that I was actually working with Paul, <laughs> but we sort of struck up a friendship and we, we kept in touch and we did, we started doing quite a few conventions together. So back in them days, it was Henning and Trevor, right? And that relationship, you know, flourished and, you know, we, we became really good friends. And Henning, he ended up coming to Australia in, I think it was 96, and he got married over there in Australia. And I was his best man, and my wife, oh, she oh, was the bridesmaid. And my kids were the flower kids, and we were the, oh, the page boy. and. Um, so our friendship had really, you know, it was quite good. And then we would, we would go to conventions together. And this is something that I was talking last night to some of the, the guys that are in the background over here. Like we would go to the, the conventions and, um, we would, we would tag team with the camera. So I would, I would take the camera and photograph, a, you know, like yeah. a, a, a bunch of tattoos. And while Henning was working and then I'd tattoo and Henning would run off and, and, and take a bunch of photographs. So at the end, end of the convention, we would take the, uh, all the photographs that we'd get, we'd get developed and we'd get double copies and then we'd get together and we'd swap the, the photos. So it was like, like Philip Lou's work and Ed Hardy's work, Eddie, well, Eddie Deutsch at the time, um, Guy Atchison, all. Of, so we had this, this, you know, all these photos. Yeah, yeah. So that, and that's how we sort of, you know, you'd learn, you know, you'd, yeah. and then you'd sit down and you'd had all these photos to study because there was still only a couple of magazines. Yeah. And not all that stuff was going to make a magazine. No, 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 no. Yeah. We had like, like you look back through the photo albums now and you've got some, geez, you've got some classics, you know, some gold that, you know, yeah, there was, and it was interesting because people, a, a lot of people didn't want to show their tattoos off. But they knew they, they sort of opened up to you and they'd let you photograph them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was like that was an interesting time working. You know, that time, um, and Henning and I would do that for for a number of years, uh, and it, that sort of helped progress the dynamic back home because. And then I started to get such a, a really steady clientele of people wanting sleeves, and, and I, I was probably the first guy to start doing sleeves in Australia. So were you the first shop doing custom tattoos? Too? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, this is the way it is, and and you know, I, I bought all the 
that Paul had taught me over and um, yeah, you know, like, like I, then the homework started, you know, and I was lucky. I had a, had a great wife and she understood because she, she'd lived it with me with Paul and she, yeah. she, she knew what was going on. So she didn't mind me going off and doing conventions and uh, she, we, we'd had a couple of kids by then. So she'd stay home, look after the kids and uh, yeah, Henning and I'd meet up every year and we'd do a convention or two and yeah. So, and so dynamic was progressing. I had a couple of different artists there uh, and they all, they, they, one of them went, went on and opened up his own studio, Mick. And then I had another guy, Owen and dynamic. It sort of it, it become this big thing where I had a lot of people traveling, which was unheard of in Australia, you know, traveling to get tattooed. And I wanted to expand dynamic. So I went to, I went and had a look around in, further in the city. So closer to the center of the city. Yeah, yeah. And, um, my shop was probably 40 minutes out of the city, kind of like, like, um, in Calgary here, you know, like sort of like James here. James, the yeah. A little bit further out, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, so I, I wanted to attract more customers, but I also wanted to have more people work for me that, you know, and so I, um, I moved into the city and expanded dynamic in oh, about 2005. Okay. I think it was. Yeah. So by then, uh, you know, the, the, I, I'd sort of slowed down a little bit on the conventions, but I was still traveling, uh, doing a few. And then just a, a little bit before that, I'd, I'd, I'd got a, a, some photos from Henning and he'd started dating Mike Rubendahl back then. You know, he sort of, he'd left me. Henning and my relationship started to get a little oh, It's amazing. <laughs> so then he started dating Mike, you know, and, yeah. uh, treated him for a younger model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> model, you know, like. <laughs> So and for those in the, these younger kids today, you know, like you'd always see Henning and I, we were known as like, the, the, like these two guys that get around the conventions together. And then all of a sudden people started going, Oh, you're not with Henning. Well, I've seen Henning with Mike. <laughs> He's cheating on me. <laughs> um, so Henning had sent me some photos from, uh, the, he'd taken some photos of this guy's arm in, uh, I think it was Los Angeles. And he sent him to, he goes, oh man, he goes, check this guy's work out. And it was a guy called, uh, Mike Roper. <laughs> and I was like, well, this guy's works pretty unbelievable. So again, I was always determined. I was always wanting to, to meet better tattooers and, and get to know them and that. So I wrote Mike a letter and introduced myself and he was kind enough to send me some photos back. And the, this was around 2000 and, um, so I, I ended up ringing him and I've said, I'm coming over to do the Chicago tattoo convention. Uh, I think it was a tattoo of the earth back then. I think it was Paul Booth and, and I think it was his convention tattoo of the earth. So it was in Chicago one weekend and the next weekend it was in San Francisco. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So I ended up, uh, you know, Mike said, yeah, come out. That's fine. You know, you, I, I, again, I, I just 
jumped on a plane, went to Arizona and, you know, met Mike Roper. And that was the start of a, another incredible journey because his work at the time, he was very much underground. Magazines were starting to make their, you know, like their appearance. The internet, I think it was, what was the one before? Myspace. MySpace right? Yeah. yeah. But he was, he didn't believe in any of that stuff. No, I don't, know? he still doesn't. He still doesn't, you know, yeah. but uh, he was great. You know, he, he, I didn't think he knew who I was, but he, he definitely heard of me and he welcomed me into his house. And I spent a few days with him there and I was lucky enough, like I, I wanted to get my, my forearms tattooed off him. And it was different, like, cause Mike was like, at that stage, he'd, he'd worked from like midnight to five in the morning, or four in the morning, because it was so hot in Arizona. Oh, yeah. So he'd work nights and he was a night owl, you know, he'd sleep all day. And I, I was getting up at like <laughs> nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, sit around all day waiting for him to get up at two o'clock. You know? So uh, that started, you know, my friendship with Mike. And uh, he, he was like, he was the other guy that really helped me. You know, he, he refined me. He, he was good, you know, he'd, he'd sit down with you and we'd, you know, sketch and draw and... I just like how you and Henning just replace each other with a mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. <laughs> it's actually a funny story. Oh, yeah, you got a mic? Right? <laughs> the funny story is that we caught, Henning and I caught up oh, a couple of years ago and he goes, oh, you know, you were with your mic and I was with my mic. <laughs> Yeah, it's true though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, yeah, I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time with Mike. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually go back every year and, and do a convention and, and hang out with Mike Roper. And yeah, got, I ended up getting a lot of work from Mike as well. Um, yeah, so you know, like I've, I've always, been, I'm not a naturally gifted artist. I'm not that that guy. I'm not like James or Steve Moore or any of those crazy guys that we can do like Eddie Deutsch or Guy Atchison. So I always relied on looking at other people's work, and 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 that was the hence why I was always taking the photographs and looking and trying to learn. And yeah, you know, and and Paul had sort of showed me that too. He said, you know, like. Yeah, you know, you're not going to learn everything from me, you know, like take all the, all the books and, the, you know, and, and look at the photos and, you know, that's where it all started was I was allowed to photograph Paul's customs. So it, that sort of progressed and, you know, I was lucky enough to have photographs of a lot of people's work, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, Mike Roper, then I got in, you know, and, you know, I was lucky enough to have him, you know, show me a lot of work and that, that, you know, I still talk to Mike a lot, you know. And so have you ever had an apprentice? Like never had an apprentice, up, no. More just mentored sometimes? Yeah, just mentor. I, I, I kind of like that. But there was two reasons for it. Was an apprentice, you know, you've got to put a lot of time into them and, and, and help them. Whereas if you had somebody that would have been tattooing for a couple of years and you took them on, at least they were they were earning their keep. Yeah, totally. So they were earning money and, they were, you know, they were, they were paying you while you were teaching them and yeah. refining them. Yeah. Probably, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with you know, guys in Australia that have, all, all the people that have worked with me have all gone on to be better tattooers. I'll, I'll be honest and say that, you know, like it's, I'm pretty proud of myself that, yeah. you know, there's some, some really good tattooers out there that have come through dynamic. You awesome. know, and, and, yeah. So. 
how long you've had your shop? We said what thirty three years now. I yep. can imagine the changes you've seen in the industry. Like we were talking earlier about how things are changing right now in tattooing, but in that span, yeah. Okay. Well, the internet. Obviously, <laughs> I think that's the big one. But yeah, uh, just a saturation of artists and stuff like that. Like the business side of things is changing. Obviously, yeah. I think, but if you go back to when, uh, like, for the late nineties. Tattooing started to kick off, right? There was the Tattoo International magazines and there was yeah. Mickey Violetta's magazines that were coming out, Tattoo Life and that coming out of Europe. So that that spurred a lot of new tattooers. And then, you know, you had the likes of Eddie Deutsch and Guy Atchison, uh, Aaron Kane, that were doing, you know, they were, they were innovators. Yeah. Um, San Francisco was the hub of the best tattooers in the world. Yeah, it's incredible. Right. But there was this unknown quantity that was north of the border that people, you know, you guys up here in Canada were, you were very much under the radar, you know, and there was a lot of good tattoos up here that, you know, yeah. we, we spoke about before. Uh, and that sort of spurred a lot of new tattooers, all those guys, you know. So, you know, there's a saturation now, but if you were an older guy back then and you, you thought there was a saturation <laughs> then, yeah. So, so yeah. you were looking and going, wow, yes, all these new young tattooers. Oh, my God, there's 10 tattooers in my city. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's like, fuck, I got 10 tattooers in my shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you had the next the, the next generation then after that was like grime, you know, and, and uh, there was still this, you know, like Roper was making waves, but he underground. So underground. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I still think that he was one of the best tattooers around. And I, I was exposed to his work and got to see it firsthand. And that's the sad part is that people, you know, like weren't exposed to it on how good this guy was. Absolutely. He was, you know, like incredible. Yeah. You know, for that general, for that time of what he was doing, you know, and he was a guy that he was so good, but really sort of doubted himself. You know, um, yeah, just a, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, then you start to see the next generation of people come through. Um, and, and along the way, there's, there's the progression of the people that have already been there, like Philip Lou, Mick from Zurich. Yeah. The Europeans were starting to make their, you know, their names. Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky. I mean, I, I'm blessed that I've actually come from down here and gone to see all the progression of these guys. And the one thing about working in Canada was, and working with Paul, it opened my name up to a lot of tattooers up this end, you know. Uh, and I remember we did the 2000 convention, Dave, with Rob. Was it? At the uh, 2003? 2003. Yeah. Uh, the Vancouver convention. I got invited to come over and do that. And Paul and, and John were there. But there was this whole new level of tattooers yeah. that I, I hadn't actually been exposed to then in, in Canada. And uh, like young kids standing over there, Dave, Dave C. You know, I got to meet him and... Um, <laughs> Can't see you, Dave. Steve. <laughs> 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 waving at us. It was just a hand come over the bench. <laughs> Our camera only catches anything over four feet anyway. <laughs> but those, 
those of you that don't know Dave C, he's this tall. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, a long shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve Moore was another one. I got to meet Steve. And, you know, like, boy, there was some incredible, you know, people around that. You know. Were you with the... I was at the first one, yeah, but I was an apprentice. You were an apprentice? I was working a counter. Yeah, yeah we probably just... To talk to Steve. Uh, um, so, yeah, like, it, it's... So, yeah, there's, you know, the progression, you know, it was, it was incredible. Just, yeah. you know, everything was starting to open up. And the internet, obviously, you know. And, and then, you, you know, you were going from mixing your colours and making your needles, then all of a sudden you could buy everything. Yeah, so you, know, you didn't have to, you know, spend all those hours and burning your fingers, and sucking up flux. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. No, it's in taste of my tongue. I made needles not even a year ago because I still show people how to make needles. Yeah, yeah, I still mix color. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. gave Ryan Gagne actually a liter of white yesterday. So. Oh, really? Yeah, national white. Yeah. Oh, can you give me some? <laughs> <laughs> So, I'll see how much powder I left. Uh, yeah, I did a big order. I didn't know they were shutting down. Yeah. I also didn't know that Canada had just changed uh, the rules, actually. So oh, really? even before they shut down, we could no longer get any powder across the border. I didn't know that. Yeah, because of labeling issues. Oh. So, uh, and then, so I had done just, I just did a huge order. Fucking big case showed up. And then like three months later, my buddy, Len, that makes ink also, he messaged me freaking out. He's like, can't get national anymore. They won't ship it across the border because of labeling issues. No French, no this, no that, and everything. And then, I mean, three months later, they were gone. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I only just heard that they were closing down. But I, you know, I had a bit of a stock, and I was a couple of the guys at the shop. You know, wanted to mix color, so I was. Yeah. You know, I'm teaching them, still teaching them how to mix it. And yeah, it was, yeah. So fun, fun. Yeah, yeah, it fun. is. It is fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 I pretty much just use still holds. Stuff, stuff that I mix and a mm. little bit of this. I, I, I remember going back to uh, when I first got tattooed off Ed Hardy, and he was good enough. He he told me his mixture of you know what he used to mix his powders. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was because he had them. He he bought out these big jars, and he he he'd had it all pre mixed, and obviously, and he was just he was filling up his his uh, colors while I was there. And we, I said, oh, what do you mix? He, he told me he was. Again, I was no threat to him. I was, yeah. You know, yeah, you're going so, back to it. Yeah. So, and he actually told me, I remember him telling me at the time um, that he was actually getting his yellow and orange from Australia back then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was getting it from uh, a tattooer in Sydney. But, uh, yeah, who was probably who was probably getting it from Dupont in America? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know where it was, but yeah. like I've still got it. The orange in the back of my leg yeah. is is still bright as ever. Yeah, so crazy. Yeah, yeah, I still had. I just met, like a few years ago now. I just mixed the last of my Mickey Sharp's blue powder oh. that I'd had wrapped up for since '97. Yeah. Yeah, and again, you know, like that was, you know, through the 90s, that was the, there was the, that whole Mickey Sharp started up with the machines and the pigment. Yeah. So all these, you know, there was starting to be all, all these supply companies started coming together, you know, like you, you could you could order off Phil Fairweather down in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a nightmare though, but it was good. 
his powder, like I'm, I think John was getting his powder yeah. from there. He was good. He was just hard to deal with sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I ordered off him a few times. Didn't have any problems. Yeah. You know. Um, and then you know the European guys started opening up. There was a couple over there. Uh, Lionel Titchener, these needles. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mickey Sharps. Yeah. So yeah, things started. Now to be- supply company. Yeah. 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 They have them in their tattoo shop. Yeah. <laughs> We're just looking over here at James Tech. So. <laughs> Deadly Tattoo Supply. This episode brought to you by right. Good Guy Supply. <laughs> oh. They're good. They're good. <laughs> you know how James was talking about how he was angry and he liked fighting? <laughs> so did Sean. Have you drinking? <laughs> but we know he's got a bum knee. <laughs> He probably got that fun knee because the first time I met James was in Montreal. Uh, no, Quebec, Quebec City. And James was, well, let's just say, quite drunk. <laughs> he has to be in public. I've still got the video, James. So don't look at you and Dave fighting out on the street, you know, <laughs> pretending you're like some sort of kung fu expert. <laughs> No, that was great. I got to meet James in uh, Quebec City oh, two, jeez, oh, about maybe 10 years ago. Uh, 2014. 2014. No, yeah, no, yeah. So, yeah, and so, yeah, getting to meet him, that was great. You know, amazing. And you keep going back to Canada. Keep, I love Canada. And I think we were talking before, I think this is, the, the, the artists here are incredible. I think, yeah, I Pound for pound, you know, like however you want to say it. I think Canada's probably got the best tattooers in the world overall. It was great getting to know Curly and this amazing guy that tattooed with one arm. You know, the customer had to stretch his own skin. So I did get blood poisoning from him twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> Hardy brought this whole uh, Japanese influence into American tattooing. Once Dave Shore came onto the scene, it was like tattooing completely changed. If anybody could say anything about greaseballed Japanese, it's fucking Dave Shore. Salty, piratey, bikery, just hard not to do. Man, he'd pull in on his chopper with the tattoos and the girls, and I mean, he was just like so cool, man. He captured vulgarity and pleasure and insanity and recklessness. Tattoo in the 80s or 70s, just not the same, uh, yeah. You had to be a tough guy. I was scared shitless. Even though I was, a, you know, kind of a biker guy, these were bigger biker guys, you know? I'm not totally sure you could paint the picture accurately to somebody now getting into tattooing about what it was like then. And the only reason I, f- I would say or I feel that way, though, is because they might not believe you. We had the limo waiting for him with all the lines of blow lined up at the airport. This is the way we do it in Canada. <laughs> in the like, 80s, 90s, Paul, Paul Jeffries was like the king of tattooing. It wasn't just in Canada. Like, am I supposed to stop tattooing? Because if this is what I'm supposed to aspire to, (laughs) it's not gonna happen. Each one of these old masters 
influenced groups of tattooers, who in turn influenced other groups of tattooers. Not just because of the carrying jeans. You roll off the names, you know, James, Steve, Rob Noseworthy, Rob Hope, Rob Hope, Archman, Paul Jeffries, yeah. Dave, you know, Dave Cummins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get to Dave. We'll get to him. <laughs> we can keep his ego in check. Well, you know, then it was Mike Rover, now it's Dave, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved on to Dave. You know. yeah. <laughs> Smaller, compact, you know, <laughs> yeah. easier to carry around. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, so, yeah, there's been a lot of changes, you know. Um, but, you know, just in the work in general, too, you know, like, you know, really, it's, it, when you look at Hardy's first, you know, in, in the late 70s, early 80s, the work that he was doing, and then you look at what the really good artists are doing now. It's it's it, it's a it's a big jump, but it's in the in the scheme of things, it's not that huge. It's just I think you got more accessibility now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and more creativity. Yeah, the the customers are more open. I mean, like Hardy's customers were very much open to creativity. He pushed that. Mm -hmm. He pushed that, and and his customers they loved it. You know. And I remember him telling me, like he, he, you know, he, he had a lot of gay men customers that were really open to to getting big work and whatever he wanted. He bought that that whole Japanese th philosophy over, where I'm the artist, I'll help you get what you want. Yeah, I think this is what you should get. So he, he, you know, and so now the people that are you know like the top of the line artists, they they've sort of built on that. And, and and you got you know the freedom to express themselves on sure. shirts. You know. Yeah. People, you know, are traveling just as much to you know, to see the guys like Steve Moore, James and that. You know. In the yeah, like in the nineties being in Canada, I used to always say like most of us are only as good as our reference that we have yeah. accessibility to. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think such a growth has happened, because accessibility is just fucking those hard to find reference photos, they're not hard to find. Well, and you, well, said, yeah. you used to have like Say, let's use Grime, like we were talking earlier, you might have three photos of his work, and you yeah. try to base your whole, your own work off those three photos, yeah. whereas now you can have everything he's done in the last 10 years. Yeah. So your reference material is so But, but even so, right, even, even with everything that's out there and that, going back to Grime, he doesn't allow a lot of exposure. He, you know, he, 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 he controls what you see. Yeah, for sure. The book. I mean, I remember I was... Uh, working at Seventh Sun and Grime was there and I, I, I said, oh, do you mind if I take a photograph and that? And he goes, oh, I'm not really comfortable. And, you know, like, he goes, if you take a photo, don't show anybody. So he sort of controlled everything. You know, he was he was like that. Yeah. And, and Mike was like that too. You know, like, kind of, you know, like, he didn't put his work out there. So it's kind of nice that you've got these guys that are controlling yeah, what's, what, what they're doing. And then you've got other people that want to expose their work as much as you, they can. There's an Edmonton tattoo like that. He's just fucking just pumping up bodysuits. Really? Yeah, beautiful Japanese stuff. No photos, oh. no IG. Really? And you just don't fucking see it. But he's also 
he's showing me his work that he has by Roper. And I'm just like, oh, who's Steve Bat? Right? It's yeah. like most young people, most people don't even know who he is. And fuck, that guy is just nonstop pumping out just it's huge scale work. Crazy in an industry and a time where exposure seems to be what you need to advance your career. And there's a perfect example of another guy who's taking the exact opposite road and yeah. having a really rich career. I mean, the word of mouth, the word speaks for itself, right? Yeah. But I think the people that are, that are actually going to this, but like the people that are, are, are doing their research and, and, and they want something different. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to be part of that mainstream Absolutely. exposure. Yeah. Well, so I think when you see work that good too, it fucking hits you in the head. Like when you see oh, it in person, sure. you're like, like a bodysuit on somebody. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. what I, I want to go make. Yeah. yeah. You know? There's another guy, like like even Dave over there from Montreal, you know, Dave Cummins, you know, he's his work is is, is incredible. What you know, and he's he's such. I didn't realize how big a name he was within Canada, especially amongst the tattooers. Oh, yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, prolific. Like prolific. It, yes, exactly. Like, I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. Is some of these guys with the amount of work they put out in large scale. The body of work. Yeah. 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 When I was an apprentice, Dave came into the guest about a Sacred Heart and he brought his portfolios. And I couldn't, I'd never seen work like that yeah. before and how much. And that yeah. was 20 plus years ago. But, and I think Dave, like, I don't know, he might mind me saying this, but like, he's over there, like, what are you yeah. talking about, Dave's hiding over there, you know, <laughs> behind everybody else. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of myself. You know, he, 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 he just had this drive to get better. And he, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to meet all these tattooers. He, he's he's at, at this level already, but he's he's wanting to get better. Yeah, and yeah, you know, that that's it's really good to see. Yeah, and I like I like actually having those people around you. Yeah, well, yeah, going and working in the '90s in Montreal, he was always going down to New York, always going yep. to Austin. To yeah, see yeah, yeah, to see Chris Reno. Like, yeah. yeah, I hadn't met anybody who traveled that, but like that, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'd go from Vancouver to Montreal. That was my big yeah. thing, and he's fucking going everywhere, yeah. working all these people. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's good. You know, you're starting to see people like going back to the 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. People were starting to really travel to get tattooed more so than ever. Yeah. So you know, we talk about overexposure now. I mean, and and saturation. Like back then, we all thought that it was saturated. It was a saturated market. So, you know, it's it depends on which generation you're in. Yeah, it's all perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So yeah. right now, it's. It's yeah. well and truly, you guys. Be good enough, and you're going to have customers travel yeah, too, true. right? You're not going to rely on your small pool. Yeah, the world. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Everything's getting diluted, so yeah, yeah. You know, but there'll always be customers for the good tattooers. Absolutely, I think. You know, yeah, yeah. Depends how you qualify good tattooers. Yeah, well, that's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, everyone's yeah. Like we all look at things differently. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll, you know, you treat your customers well and you do yeah. the tattoos, you'll always be there. For sure, you know, and, and that goes right back to, I think, uh, watching Paul, the way he treated the customers, interacted with them, yeah. and we've always tried to do that. That was something I always tried to instill back at Dynamic, um, you know, like have a joke with you. You, you always had your bad days, you know, or your off customers or whatever, yeah. you know. You didn't, you could never be perfect all the time yeah we we're all humans so but yeah yeah so. customer service is always a really big thing customer like, service my 
I'm adjacent to Paul through my mentor. And then getting to know a little bit more about Paul, um, I'm realizing like, oh, that's where my mentor would have brought that. Yeah. 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 It was a big influence on a lot of, yeah. 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 Top five tattooers. Oh, here we go. Top five tattooers. There we go. Everybody stop and look. All right. (laughs) Um, Come on, Matt. (laughs) Well, at the moment, I would say the number one tattooer for me in the that I I look up to and admire the most would be Chris Garber. Uh, yeah. That's a I think he's probably. I think he's the most rounded uh, tattooer that I've ever seen or met. Yeah. He he can do anything. Yes, he can go from doing a portrait, you know, to a girl's face, which it, it's incredibly hard to do. He's so refined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And his to, proportions to, are a classical too. Perfect. They're not yeah. like tweaked out or new school. They're always like a classical proportion. Yeah, so that, yeah, exactly. It's natural. Uh, so he, he would be the the number one tattooer for me in the world, I think. Um, obviously, the next one would be like Mike Roper. Uh, he's for me personally. I think he's he's an incredible tattooer, you know, and he's such a talented guy that just lacked the exposure. But that's yeah, that's his own doing by design. By yeah, design, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, uh, Paul Jeffries, unfortunately, just retired. Well, good luck to him, you know. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. First tattoo to actually try and... Retire. And the thing is, the, with, with Paul's stuff, it, it, it's like, it, it's timeless. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's everything a tattoo should be. Yeah. You know, when you, when you think of, probably not the kids today or the people today, you know, because they're thinking of that fine line and stuff, but anyway... Um, but a tattoo should look like what Paul does. So, you know, like Chris, Mike, Paul, Philip Lou's got to be in there. You know, he's been such an innovator, still doing incredible work. I just saw a back piece he'd done in 10 hours the other day, you know, and it was, it was flawless. Yeah. Um, one more. And the rest suck. Yeah, everybody you don't mention is fucking garbage. Jeez. And we're tagging them all. Yeah, yeah, everyone. You know, like, oh boy, a fifth one for me. I don't know. There's so many on that same level. You know, Mick from Zurich. Hey, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Hear that? Yeah. Hear that, Henning? <laughs> this, this is someone from. From your era, but someone I looked up to, and no one ever talks about them, was Maurizio from Brazil. Do you have any exposure with him? I had all his flash, and I yeah, I actually still follow his work. You know, yeah, Mauricio Junior, Junior, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Daniel Novus from uh, Rio de Janeiro. He's one that is incredible. He, I was lucky enough, he came over and spent three weeks with me at my shop, and I was exposed. He was he's an incredible tattooer. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's his Instagram? Um, I think it's uh, Novus Daniel. Novus Daniel. Yeah, so it's N O V A I S Daniel. I think it, uh, super incredible. Yeah, clean, innovative, Fine. really good. Yeah, like loves. He's, he's a good musician. 
he plays drums in like a jazz band. Oh, cool. Really, really talented. Uh, yes, but, yeah, there's all those just South American guys. Yeah. You know, very just, but you, those, like those would be the top three for me in South America. Yeah. You know, uh, especially like Junior, his creativity. Wow. Do you like anybody on your little island? In Australia? Yeah, there's, there's a few. The one guy, uh, like, the, he actually come to me as a, a raw, shitty tattooer. And is probably one of the best in Australia, I would say at the moment, is Evan Griffiths. Oh, yeah. Griff tattoo. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a, well, I wouldn't call him a heavyweight. <laughs> he, yeah, he, but he, he's a, he was a typical guy that, like, he comes to me, he had no ego or nothing like that. But I looked at him and what it, it, he was, that guy that I was and I could see it and I was like man and it, it what really struck me with him was he wanted to travel and get tattooed he, he was you know he wanted to get tattooed off Guy Atchison and, and he did all of that he, he went out there and, and did yeah, what yeah. He, he sorted all out and you know he, he he was he wasn't he wasn't even a great artist you know but he's worked extremely hard he, he just put out that sketchbook Griff yeah. Tats you know um yeah, like he's he's one I, I would be super proud of. I'd yeah. say you know like he's the guy. Cool. Uh, you know, we don't see a lot of each other anymore. You know, he's 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 got a, a shop across town. Um, you know, just life gets in the way, but oh, like man, but his work's super super incredible. Yeah, takes a lot of inspiration from Mick. Um, I know the funny story was he come to me when he was working with me, and he goes, "I want to go to Europe. I want to go and do the Milan Convention." And I was like, oh, oh, you should do it. That'd be, that'd be great. And he goes, I want to go and get tattooed off Mick. And I was like, wow, yeah, well, you know. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> you know? And he goes, wow, well, you know, like, and we, we had a bit of a chat about it. And he said, do you want, you know, I think we had a, I think I said, well, I'll come with you to Milan, you know, if you want. And I got in touch with Mick and I said, look, I got this kid wants to come and I want to come and visit you, but he wants to come and get tattooed off you. And Mick said, yeah, yeah, come. And I said, well, you know, like, what about accommodation? And he goes, no, no, you're going to be staying with me. So I went back to Evan and I said, well, guess what? Not only are you going to meet Mick, you're going to get to stay with him for five days. You know, we'll go and uh, get, you know, get tattooed off him and, and that. And he, Nearly wet his pants. Right? <laughs> Kill me for that. <laughs> well, you so a you come stay with you, right? Joel Martin. Joel Martin. Yeah, yeah. I've had, yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had a few. Yeah, Joel come over and stay. I yeah. remember when he told me that, I was like, uh, "How the fuck did you make that happen?" He's like, "I called." <laughs> I've had a lot. I actually had a lot of tattooers come and stay with me. Then you know, like I, I always had a warm reception from. Tattoos around the world. I wanted to give them a good experience, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I've had a lot of tattooers stay at the house. You know, um, half the time you forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Joel, like Joel was he was he was super nice, you know. Um, so yeah, you know, the, yeah, I'd say Evan, like uh, in Australia, uh, man, there's a, there's there's a whole bunch of guys that I, I don't even know their name. I've got to actually. A guy worked with me, Joel Ang. Oh, there we go. So yeah, I'm lucky enough to have him working with me, and uh, he's like a Philip clone. 
super talented, you know. Uh, I've got another guy, Ross Byfield, and he's like a he's like a mite, very much undergrad. Can do anything. Can do a you know a neo trad portrait. Do a full body suit. <laughs> goes under the radar, you know. Like he just, um, yeah, he's he's another one. And, and I, I really admire the crew I've got now. I really admire them a lot. You know? How many guys you got? I've got five with me now. Yeah. You're working just as straight custom. Is it a private no, shop? No, no, it's a street, street shop. shop. Yeah. It's a street full full street shop. Yeah. Still yeah. taking walk-ins. Still stuff? taking walk-ins. Oh, yeah. Nice. Still working five six days a week. You know. Uh, you know, got to pay the bills, and yeah. you know, especially after COVID, that really stuffed everything yeah. up. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love tattooing. Yeah, I just don't like yeah. what it's become. Yeah, you know, I love, I love the the art of it. I love, you know, the interaction with most of the customers. Is <laughs> things have changed a little bit, but yeah, uh, I love the carny aspect. Yeah, of that kind of traveling carny salesman community thing. That's that's what I loved about tattooing and yeah. what pulled me into tattooing and that's what I'm missing about tattooing now, you know. Now it's it's, just, it's a different feel. Yeah. Totally different yeah. feel now. It's just, you know, you know it's amazing oh, how many people show up to work to tattoo clients and then not talk to them. Oh yeah. The one thing that gets me is the the headphones or the earphones, you know, and they don't talk. Yeah. You know, like, damn, you know, who yeah. are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> like you know what's crazy really quiet over there. <laughs> God, I was having a conversation with James Tess about this. <laughs> well, he doesn't remember it. He, 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 <laughs> we were going to unleash on the tattoo world. So. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, I love it though. You know, I, I wear headphones because of, you know, sensitivities or whatever. And then you see them out in the fucking bar posting pictures. It's like, where are your headphones? Yeah. You're in a louder environment now. Yeah, right. They have okay. the headphones. Like, no, uh, it's, it's a different world, you know. Yeah. I mean, you got to be careful what you say. Have <laughs> you ever been careful Because now the customers have got the power with the reviews. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, fuck you, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, this hasn't been fucking cancelled yet. We're all safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is different. You know, and, and for the old... I'm really the old generation now. It's it, it's hard to get your head around. Yeah. I mean, even going from like the machine to now these pens. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, like it, it, they're great. Don't get me wrong, they're great. I use one myself, but it's it's so different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It, and you think about all the all the years it took to learn how to tune a machine and and, and fiddle with them and all of that. All yeah, of that gone. It's in a drawer now. And, yeah. It's just gone. All that experience, and you go, oh, God. But I'm a better person for having to learn that, and I'm richer for it. Yeah. And I've got all that history. And as I die off, and as these guys die off, that's going to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them might die before you. Thanks, <laughs> A whole lot of diabetes over there. <laughs> Early onset. <laughs> For those of you kids, you know, there's this whole group of people that are standing over here. <laughs> <laughs> Urging you Come on, say some more. <laughs> Talk, uh, Talk shit. Different all 
that. Yeah, tattoo. I remember like the first convention. I, we were at a convention in uh, San Francisco one time, and there was these fucking idiots from Los Angeles, and they were like spitting at each other. And then the European guys that I was drinking with, you know, the next thing is fight started, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like it was this full on brawl. It, 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 like in those days have all gone. Yeah. It's, you know, like, you know, not in Alberta. Not in Alberta. No. I don't be interested to see that. Any given weekend. Yeah. yeah like, and, like, even going to a convention where people had their photo albums out. And you, know, you could look and flick through the photo albums now. You talk to somebody now and you go, oh, like, you, and they just say, oh, look at my Instagram. Yeah, there's no, last one we went to, Kelowna, there was no fucking photo albums, but there was just a bunch of, like, pre-drawings. Like, well, Where's your what, what are these line drawings going to look like yeah. to the customer? Where's your portfolio to show how you're going to yeah. put this shit on a body? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just a different world. And, yeah. and we've got to learn to live with it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's not their fault. It's just the way that it's evolving. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and as I keep getting told, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> it's not like tattooing's gotten worse. I actually, I actually had a I had a conversation with um, a young tattooer from Australia. We were talking about really good tattooers. This, uh, there's a young kid down there called Adrian Hing, okay. and uh, do you know him, James? Yeah, he's incredible, right? He's a little different, Adrian, you know, but uh, he's such a nice guy. You know? So he comes to my shop and he, he wanted to meet me and I wanted to meet him and we're having a bit of a conversation. And I said to him, oh, well, there's a, a really good steak house up the road. We'll go and get something to eat. And he just looked at me like blankly. And I was like, what, you know, do you want steak or do you want something else? And he's like, I'm vegan. And I'm like, Oh shit! Oh man, where are we going to eat? Right? Uh, do you like rice? <laughs> Can we eat rice? I'll take you to the Thai restaurant around the corner. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was having a conversation with Adrian. We were talking about the way things are evolving, and and the one thing I absolutely hate looking at you is I hate face. Oh, I know. I actually read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to actually bring it up during the interview. Well, yeah, I was in town. You have that in his, in, yeah, in yeah, yeah, I was in town. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I just I, I, as he rolls closer to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I don't want to be looking over at anybody, but like the thing, the people that you look up to and you really admire in the business, and then you see him do a face tattoo, you're like, oh no, please don't. Yeah. I, actually, I remember another. I think it might have been a post where you're like. Saying you would never hire someone, yeah, if they didn't fix tattoos. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I stick by it. I yeah. don't, you know. Uh, it's, I know it's a different world. I, but you know, like, think there's still got to be some of us. But interestingly, when I was talking to Adrian about that, and he just said to me, like, oh, it's just because you're old. And I was like, oh, real? That's the way you look at it. Not that you know, I might have some sort of morals about me. <laughs> yeah. because. The thing is, today, there's so much talk about mental health. Yeah. And if you're that person that's looking in the mirror every day and you're not happy with yourself, and then you go and get this done, oh, yeah. and then you're looking at yourself even more, and you're thinking, like, why am I getting stared at? Or yeah, I think it's just going oh, sure. to amplify. amplify everything. 100%. Yeah. I waited until very late in life. I wanted to face that too when I was younger, and my mentor would not do it. 
yeah. at all. And then I went for dinner. I went to Toronto to see him a few years ago, and I went out for dinner. First thing he he was, I was saying something. He's like, "Well, you know, at least you got those face tattoos now." And I was, <laughs> I knew it. And then the next shot was that I used a rotary. I'm like, "Oh, fuck!" Like, no, so yeah. I get it. it. You know, I definitely get it. Yeah, well, yeah, I judge people that have face tattoos. I have people come to my shop. They, they're like, they, oh, they, I want to get a face exactly. tattoo. And I'm like, only retards get face tattoos. Yeah. yeah. This episode is edited by Deadly I remember, like, I had a friend of mine that was in a, a, an outlaw motorcycle club, right? And he wanted to get a certain tattoo on his neck. And I, I refused. He was a very close friend of mine. And I refused to do it. I said, mate, you're going to regret it. And he, he kind of argued with me, and he was a, a big heavy hitter in the club. I was like, but I'll stand on the ground here. I'm not going to do it. And he wanted it on the neck. And he ended up leaving the club. And he came up to me later on, and he thanked me. He said, look, you know, yeah, he goes, I'm glad you didn't do it. He left in good standing, no, no problems, right? But he said, I, don't, I didn't want to walk around with that now, looking back. So I've always sort of stuck. That was something that Paul, because Paul wouldn't do hands or necks or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the difference now is is that, or not not even difference, but when you came in, the attitude towards visible tattoos was completely different. Of course, it was. Yeah. And whereas now, there's definitely it's mainstream. Yeah. A lot more acceptance. I mean, is it, is it is it acceptance or just tolerated? I think it's acceptance. I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, people that have tattooed some people accept it, and other people just tolerate. Yeah, but you go into banks, people are tattooed. I mean, uh, yeah, okay, I, but would a bank put somebody in, in behind a, ca- a counter that's got a face tattoo? In my town, they had a neck tattoo. That's not. That's not this. Yeah. No, but still though, it's yeah. a change, right? Like, it, yeah, it is a change. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I can understand now why t- tattooers like myself are like, it's kind of fair game. A lot of conversation. Well, the other thing is too, but if you, like, you go back to my time when I was coming through, the guys that were heavily tattooed with their faces and everything like that, they were the guys in the corner looking very lonely because they thought coming to a convention, they were going to be accepted. But even within the the, the uh, convention, they were frowned upon. Yeah. They, they were like, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to associate with that. Oh yeah, and they were the guys that you know. You, you kind of looked at them, and, and, and a part of me felt sorry for them. But I was like, man, you bought this on yourself. I also think some of the guys in like the '90s who were getting like the fake mocos, oh, like okay, the yeah. dotted eyebrows and stuff. Uh, and I, I also stuff. think that it's how you carry yourself in life. So if you, I bet you, the guy with the full face tattoo sitting in the corner, without tattoos, would be the same guy sitting in the fucking corner. Maybe. But Maybe. if you're kind of a gregarious person, outgoing, you have a smile on your face. People see past that stuff a lot. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, but even you, you see the, the, the letter, the lettering above the eye, and it yeah, it looks sharp for the first few months, and then it starts to blur off yeah. very quickly. Yeah, and then they just look like they're really surprised on the one side. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, look, yeah, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. You know, I I don't like it. I won't yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I don't want to employ anybody with yeah that would do it. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Ryan Ganya, you can never go work in the shop. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's awesome. Shout out to Your face is tattooed. Oh, my face is tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a good friend. actually. Yeah, there's talking about Australian tattooers. There's another young guy I forgot to mention was Matty Mooney. There's a young guy down there, Matt Mooney, yeah. right? And he's incredible, right? And I've, we're we're quite good friends. And uh, 
he has a young guy working for him that had a, a, a little tattoo. We were going out for dinner and I was having this conversation and now he's getting it lasered. He's like, he's not looking for a job. But uh, he's like, oh, no. he goes, yeah, I really respect what you said, you know, and I thought about it. And, you know, so he's, I'm like, ah, he's, he's a nice guy. I don't, yeah. But yeah. He, I'll um, never tend to my face. That was enough. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't have hands. I, you know, this is you don't have sleeves. No, there's a different time. You know, yeah, different yeah. era. I mean, even just getting knees back then was you know, different for me. It was it was a big decision. Yeah, I never wanted to really go. I remember there was a time when I was going to get my forearm done from Paul, and he talked me out of it. Do you remember the crawling the the crawling tiger in the on the wall, the blue tiger? Oh yeah, tiger's in action. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I wanted to get that. And Paul's like, no, you don't want to get that. He talked me out of it. Like, you know. But then again, Paul didn't like tattooing, you know, after hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this was a big decision. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was, so yeah, yeah, times have changed and, and, and people have changed. Their attitudes have changed. I get it. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't change. I'm, I'm just that guy. Yeah. So I won't change. I'm not going to bend the rules just to satisfy some punk's needs, you know. Yeah. They want to get their self on Instagram, get the likes. I don't care about that shit. Yeah. You know, it's. Then you don't have to. I don't have to. No, I'm actually lucky enough that I'm. I'm You're not desperate for clientele. I'm not. No, <laughs> no, no, you know, and it's it, it's I'm I'm lucky, you know. But I think at the same time I've worked hard to get you by. Made, I think you made your own luck. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been blessed to, to meet a lot of great tattooers, you know, like Clint Danroth over there, you know, was, you know like guys like that. And, you know, I've met... I've been lucky. Yeah. I've been, but you create a lot of your own luck. You know, a lot of people were like, why do you need to go to the States? Why do you need to take photos? Why do you need to do that? I, you know, it's got me where I am. Yeah. And, and I think... Probably more so than the work that I've done, it's probably the work ethic and, and the way I've gone about it that's got me where I am. Because I'm just a I'm just a tattooer. I'm not I'm nothing special. And I don't do anything that's you know that's incredibly special. You know, I do the same dragons, the same, you know, koi. You know, I, I just do it probably a little bit bigger and, and maybe better than a few people. But yeah, everybody's catching up. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, a lot of those people I've taught to, to do it bigger and better. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I'm proud of what, you know, but, you know, what I've left, or what, I, what I will leave behind, you know, the amount of work and that. But I'm probably more happy and, and, and pleased with myself that the people I've met along the way and become, you know, sort of friends. This, this world that we live in, we're lucky enough to be part of. I mean, I haven't seen James for a long time, but you, you meet up and you still have that connection or Dave, you know, or you guys, you know, like it's, it's, it's interesting that we, we get to do that. Yeah. We get to travel and, and meet great people. Yeah. You know, not everybody's great. You know, yeah. people don't like me and that's fine. That's interesting. You know, I don't care. They're assholes. But they're not, <laughs> you know, like, I, even in Australia, within like Australia, there's this perception of me. That's not real, but it started somewhere and it's just grown. I mean, because you're all tattooed, yeah, yeah. And I've heard, I've heard things like I did. I was Horiyoshi's apprentice. That's not real. 
<laughs> I don't know where that come from, you know. Oh, that I'm a real prick that I won't teach. I've taught more people in Australia how to be better tattooers than probably anyone else. And that's, that's a fact. You know, I remember one day a, some, a, a young kid walked into the shop and he had some drawings. He wanted to, he said to my wife at the time, you know, I want to meet Trevor, you know, and is there if I show him some drawing? And I got up, I went and had a look at his drawings, had a conversation with him. I'm not trying to big note myself here, but I'm just telling you the facts. I, I, I took a bit of time with him. I went out the back, grabbed some old stencils, photocopied them, went out and gave them to him. I said, practice this. Don't try and do all this fancy stuff. Practice this. And then bring it back to me. And I had a, a, a young girl working for me at the time, and she was sitting to the left of me. And she said to me, why did you do that? Why did you give him the time of day? You know, like, and I said, he walked into my shop with some drawings. Why wouldn't I give him the time of day? So, yeah. You know, like it was, he was respectful. He was, he was just a kid that he was me. Trying to figure it out. Figure it out. You know, he actually came up to me a a couple of years ago and, and he thanked me, you know, and I was like, well, you know, and I've done that to quite a few, you know, few people. Yeah, there's there's always the one that you just like. I don't want to, you know, just piss off, you know. Yeah, of course. But yeah, and you don't owe them anything anyway. I don't know, you know. But I remember what it was like to be that kid, you know. Yeah. No, there was no way anybody was going to teach me anything back then. It was very much a closed shop, you know. And now you go on YouTube and you learn how to tattoo. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Yeah, they don't. They don't need people like me anymore. They they've all got it figured out from from what I've seen, you know. So there's a yeah, it's a big change. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but still trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. how we feel about that. you know. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be room for for us, even with the new styles that are coming in. That you know the the, the, the you know the the pens, the fine line stuff. And, 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 and that's a whole new chapter. Yeah. I mean, I'm standing with last night, I'm standing with Jack Rudin and the the latest trend, you know, you see these kids doing the, the, the you know, they, they've got the pens, they've got the fine line, they're doing these single needle or these fine line tattoos with a little black and gray shade and they think they've reinvented the world. <laughs> you know, and then I'm standing next to Jack Rudy that was like the man that brought this to the world. And these guys wouldn't even know who he is. Yeah, you know, all these lettering guys. Yeah, you know, they look up to somebody, like I don't even know who the latest letterers are. Yeah, you know, they look up to that generation, but there's a whole generation oh, behind them yeah. that brought that in, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's natural. I think that's just youthful ignorance, right? Yeah. But the, the, the thing is though, they're ex- they've got more exposure now. They've got, they've got everything at their fingertips. They can look this up. They can have a look at it. You know, yeah, but there might be too much information for them to to go through to find the the old history that was mostly oral. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody who wants to know any black and gray history, Tattoo Nation. Yeah, right. Look up that movie, Tattoo Nation. Yeah, right. So yeah. you'll have something there to, to look at for sure. So when are we going to get a retrospective or something on you or a book or something? The guys at the shop want to do. You know, they they want me to do like because I've got like boxes of just you know drawings and they want to do that but I, like i'm not i don't know about that i don't know like i got approached a few years ago about doing a book 
and I was just like, nah, I don't think my my journey's interesting enough, you know, because I'm just I'm just actually picking up from somebody else, like you know, I'm just picking up from Paul or from Mike or someone like Everyone's that. It's just a link in the chain. We are, yeah, I get it. And it's yeah. not interesting to you, but it is to. I mean, fuck, we're spending a couple hours because you won't stop talking. A couple hours. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Your story. fascinated. <laughs> But it's just, you know, it's just the same stuff. It's just regurgitated. No, I don't, I don't know that it's that interesting, you know. it's Only because you existed in it. But to people, yeah. younger generations have no idea what it was like back then. So to mm. hear about that stuff is fascinating, right? Like, Yeah, I guess. Some of us yeah, not like, that far behind you are very curious about it too. Right? Yeah, I, like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know, if, if somebody comes forward with a good book, do you get a lot of money from it was it was interesting you know because like when evan bought out his book you know and I, I, i've seen his progression and he's and from what he started at now he's got this this sketchbook you know and i couldn't be prouder of the way he's he bought that together and i think he's jumped ahead of me he's bought that book out and you know he's he's that guy you know he, he's that guy i was probably 10 15 20 years ago so maybe, maybe, I don't know. Like, I remember when Paul bought the book out, the little book, you know. Yeah. It was a great book, you know, buyer, yeah. Paul Jeffries. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, even, like, I don't, I'm not comfortable even doing a podcast, but, you know, you guys, you know. Just no here. Well, <laughs> we just had a bunch of big Canadians block the door. Yeah, yeah it was sad. This is the first one I've done. So, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah. I've been asked a couple of times, but um, it's like uh, uh, they were dicks and we're not. <laughs> you, guys, you guys, really, yeah. <laughs> Face tattoos. So. Yeah. I got uh, face tattoos. You just can't tell. <laughs> you know, that's fine. <laughs> well, he can't grow hair on Brent. Oh, oh really? <laughs> oh shit! Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> that's what my dad said when I was born. <laughs> It's fun. It's been a, it's been a, a great journey. Um, like I said, I'm blessed. You know, I've, I've traveled the world, met great people, met a lot of friends. You know, yeah. I'm lucky. You know? Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate no, it. It's fine. You know, yeah, like tons of fun. We'll do episode two another day. You know, so. That'd be awesome. <laughs> the True North Strong Tattoo Book. This is a massive tattoo encyclopedia of canadian tattooers 350 pages it's an 11 by 17 coffee table format sean and dan worked tirelessly to get this thing out and sadly it never made it to print so it's available for free download at theholdfastsocialclub.com and championtattoo.ca